This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the One who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, today we continue with this startling, disturbing, surprising discourse that Jesus offers to his apostles just before he sends them out. It's from the 10th chapter of Matthew's Gospel, and it's a wonderful thing to meditate on for any Christian. Sit down and read this chapter and let its demand sink in. Because the thing that you find about it is it's just unrelenting. There's something intense and almost unforgiving about it, what Jesus demands of his disciples. Last week we heard it, fear no one. Fear no one. Anyone that can just kill the body and do nothing else well, those are our greatest fears, people that can harm our bodies. Jesus says, don't worry about them, don't fear them, but fear only God who can kill both body and soul. That means a radical reorientation of our lives. Well, it continues this week. Just maybe when we want a little moderation, a little cooling off, Jesus, in fact, turns up the heat. Listen to what he says. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Well, you're tempted to say, come again. Is there, is there anything more demanding or uncompromising than this? Think of the love of a child for his parents. Think of the love of a parent for his or her children. Is there any love that is more intense, more absolute, more demanding than those? First of all, think of them in terms of the interiority of feeling. Is there any feeling more intense than that, let's say, of a child for his parents? You know, the fear a child will feel if the parents are, are missing, if they're gone too long. The fear that haunts a child that his parents might die, the intensity of that relationship, and how it continues often through life, well into one's adulthood. There's a passionate connection between a person and his mother or father. And then flip it the other way, the intensity of feeling that a parent has for a child. There's a friend of mine who was a pretty happy-go-lucky guy when he was a teenager in his early 20s live life pretty much on his own terms for his own pleasure and so on. Then he got married and he had a child, a little girl. And I remember the day he came to me and said, you know, somehow now my whole life is different because I realized that I would happily die to protect this child. I think a lot of parents witness to that. Something happens when you realize my life is not about me. Now it's about this child. A parent gets connected to a son or a daughter in this passionate way where, yes, I'd even give my life to protect you. I think of my father or my mother, they would easily say that without hesitation. 
that they would give their lives for their kids. So what's Jesus saying? Unless you love me more intensely than you love a parent, more intensely than you love a child, you're not worthy of me. You're not worthy to be my disciple. Now think of those loves in terms of external obligations. Because you love your parents, you have a whole set of obligations to them. To spend time with them, if necessary to provide them money, to protect them, care for them as they get older. You know, if there was a a parent who was neglected by an adult child, we'd say, well, there's something wrong there. That child has obligations. Or, of course, vice versa. Think of the obligations a parent has to his child. Money and education and protection and food and clothing. And it lasts, of course, not just in childhood, but throughout life. There's a kind of obligation that a parent has to a child. And what does Jesus say? Unless your obligation to me is greater even than those, you are not worthy of me. Well, can you see why you almost feel debilitated by this? I mean, how could this, how could this take place? How could I possibly love you more than even these greatest loves of my life? I think what he's saying is this. God is God, after all. God is the good itself. God is the truth itself. God is justice itself. God is the sheer act of being itself. The one thing God cannot be, if he really is God, is peripheral to us. That's the point, Christians, I think. The one thing God cannot be is secondary. The minute you say, well, sure, I believe in God and honor God, but in a secondary way, it's not God that you're honoring. That's an idol. The minute you say, well, sure, God is important to me, but, you know, of course I love my children and my parents more intensely. Well, then it's not God. That's some kind of idol. God will not be, cannot be, set aside. He must be that which is loved above all things. So you say, okay, how do I do that? Short of becoming a Trappist monk and leaving everything behind, how do I do that? St. Augustine gives us a terrific insight here. Augustine says, I love other people and other things more truly when I love them for the sake of God. Let me say that again. I think it's a very important principle for Christians. I love other people and other things more fully, adequately, perfectly when I love them for the sake of God. Do I somehow abandon my love for parents, for children? No, but I situate those loves in the context of the highest love, which is that for God. When I don't, my love, even for parents and children, tends to become skewed, self-interested, manipulative. And we all know this. Oh, I'm a parent. I love my children. I give my life for them. Well, that love can very easily turn into manipulation, domination. 
I want to draw them into my world. I want to use them for my purposes. Now, when I love them, yes, with all my intensity, yes, but when I love them for the sake of God, now I know I don't love them for, for my sake. I don't love them for my purposes. But I love them so as to free them for their mission, to free them for their relationship with God. I love my work. I love my job. I love my social life, whatever it is. Good, good. But when I love it for its own sake, that tends to become self-absorbed, self-referential. But when I love my job for God's sake, now I see it as part of my mission from God. When I love, yes, even my social life for God's sake, now it takes on a whole new meaning. I'm detached from it. That's why the disciple has to be someone who loves God above all things. Otherwise, his discipleship will be inadequate. Now, what else does Jesus say in this speech to his apostles? Whoever does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. And I know, Christians, we're reeling here a little bit from this speech. So I have to fear no one. I have to love Jesus above parents, above children. And now, now, just as I've kind of resigned myself to these two demands, now I've got to take up a cross. And if I don't, I'm not worthy of him? Yes, yes, yes. Notice, too, something here. He's not simply saying, accept sufferings as they come. Well, that would be the stoic philosophy of the ancient world. You know, life is full of setbacks and hardships and sufferings, and when they come, you should accept them with a kind of equanimity. Well, that's not what Jesus is saying here, not simply that. He's saying, take up your cross. Not just accept sufferings as they come, but willingly happily take on, carry a cross as Jesus carried a cross. Now, what did his cross mean? It was a suffering on behalf of others. Not just suffering. That happens to us all in different ways. But suffering on behalf of others. Listen now. Bearing the burdens of the world. That's what the cross of Jesus meant. So what he's saying here is, if you are to be my disciple, you too must be eager, willing to bear the burdens of those around you. Take up your cross. Suffer on behalf of others. What's the sinner's vision of the good life? I get what I want. I work for my pleasure. I make sure I don't have a lot of burdens. I get other people to bear my burdens. And what's the lifestyle and attitude of the disciple? I want to take up my cross. That means my life is not about alleviating my own burdens, but rather bearing consciously and purposefully the burdens of those around me. When the disciple gets up in the morning, what he or she says is this, Lord, show me today how I can make 
lighter the burdens of others. I can help a lonely person bear his loneliness. I can help someone who is financially strapped to bear his burden more easily. I can help someone who's hungry, thirsty, homeless, lonely, afraid. That's the life of the disciple, willingly taking up the cross. How's it all summed up? This love beyond the love for parents and children, this taking up of the cross. If you cling to your life, you'll lose it. Let go of your life, you'll find it. Christians, there's the paradox at the heart of the whole gospel. The one way you know for sure your life is going to crumble in your hand is when you cling to it. When you open up your hand and let go of your life, let go of everything you've got on behalf of others, then you get it 30, 60, and 100 fold. That's why the life of discipleship, yes, it's full of demands. Yes, of course it is. But those demands are the key to joy and the key to ecstasy. Love Christ above all things. Take up your cross. Let go of your life. And your joy will be complete. Friends, can I take just the last about minute and a half here to talk about this Word on Fire ministry? We've been going now for about the past year and a half. I've been giving these sermons every Sunday morning on WGN, also Sunday afternoon on WYLL. We also have a website, wordonfire.org. Lots of people now across the country and even around the world, I've heard from India, China, from Rome, are listening in. This ministry has been a delight for me, and I think it's also been successful in many ways. But as you know, to continue with this, we do need financial support. I have enough money to get basically through the end of this year. But if we want to continue, we do need your help. So please, if you have a chance, write to me or email me. Send me a check to Word on Fire. If everyone listening to me right now gives even a small amount, we'd have enough to get through next year. So please be generous. Give me a, a call. Drop me a line. Write a check for Word on Fire. And we can continue, I hope, with this ministry through at least next year, if not for the future. And God bless. I hope that you were moved today by the Word on Fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. To purchase copies of the Word on Fire, call 847-297-4360.